Now, Christopher Nolan has uh, been part of a wave of film directors um, that sort of like grew up with and to prominence with the likes of David Fincher. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, for me, is the best of the lot. And Nolan's always... He's he sort of started with some very uh, superb uh, opening with Memento, which was uh, it was actually his second film, but the first to gain great prominence was a magnificent film. Uh, it's the one where Guy Pearce uh, lives the entire movie in reverse uh, and has no memory. It's an incredible film. And then Insomnia he remade uh, with Al Pacino, which I'd like, some people don't. But since then he's moved very heavily into mainstream commercial blockbusters, but also has made mainstream commercial blockbusters that are very cerebral, uh, film. I mean, to get a film like Inception, imagine explaining that you wanted to spend $200 million making that. And they've been very, very successful. Obviously, the three Batman movies, particularly the last two he did, were billion-dollar movies. I think Inception was. Interstellar was a bit of a flop. Uh, it, it had some heady ideas, but it just didn't really convert them in the same way that, say, Inception did. For me, if I've had a problem with his filmmaking since he's gone onto the large canvas, it's that there's too much. Um, there's too much fighting, there's too much battle scenes. Like Interstellar was such an amazing conceptual film. But the last 45 minutes are all shooting and blowing up things, and I just don't feel that they added anything to the movie. And the same with The Dark Knight. It was such an incredible film, but he probably gave us three really good endings and it just it was too long he didn't need to go that far um and interstellar showed a little bit more sort of conceptual clumsiness almost verging on the ridley scott where he can come up with a great idea but rarely convert it to a great film dunkirk his latest film i think sees him step up into the ranks of the finest artist directors uh, alongside paul thomas anderson and David Fincher, who does go in and out dependent on the project that he's directing. Um, it's already become the most successful World War II movie of all time, beating Saving Private Ryan, and has been an unqualified success with critics. It tells one of the most amazing stories of the last hundred years, which was the, um, the ex uh, evacuation of the British troops and other people as well from Dunkirk when they, the Germans were basically surrounded them in Dunkirk and they had to get back to the UK. I think the, if I've got the figures right off the top of my head, the UK army was something like 450,000 people. They actually got 300,000 of them stuck in Dunkirk they wouldn't even send the Royal Air Force to protect them because they knew that if the Royal Air Force got taken out and these soldiers got taken out, England was completely defenceless. And this was all hemmed around the fact that Germany didn't end up invading the UK, something that probably cost them World War II. Um, but the crossing itself is an amazing adventure which they don't really show enough of in this film because there were some really weird elements. I think the crossing was, I think there was 2,000 small boats that went over or more than that from uh, the UK, just like people in their little fishing boats. And they brought back 300,000 people. I've got a feeling it took over nine days for the whole lot. And apparently the weather at that time of year was completely different to how it always is. Um, I don't know, I think, I've got a feeling it may have been far too calm 
because the U-boats couldn't function properly. Um, they were too visible. And obviously, uh, the, the weather was supposed to be a lot worse for the people crossing the channel. I noticed they made a note in this film that the, uh, 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 if you read up on it, that the weather in the film where they've actually shot it was actually much worse than it, than it was in real life. It was really flat. And that all of these things conspired. I think there was like this fog as well that helped. Everything just conspired to make this impossible thing work. And Christopher Nolan, it's obviously a labour of love for him, but he's really, really gone out and developed one of the, the finest screenplay of his career by far. It's perfect. It's, it's, it's such a good screenplay. The way that he melds three different stories. One is uh, Tom Hardy in The Spitfire and uh, going around to one of the only planes in the air um the other one is uh, mark rylance who's one of the army of flotilla from uh, england who goes across in his tiny little fishing boat to pick up soldiers and the others uh fionn whitehead and harry styles are english soldiers who are fleeing the german onslaught and trying to get on these boats one of the problems they had is the uh, the pier that they all wanted to go through, they couldn't effectively do. It was prone to attack. What they needed were all these small boats that could land up and down the beaches. You know, there were several hundred thousand soldiers on these beaches, and um, it was a really it's a really interesting story. Um, the The screenplay works beautifully. It doesn't rely on dialogue. It's not humanly driven. It's not really driven by people so much as a story. And even the whole, uh, like Tom Hardy's whole sequence in the plane is almost wordless, and you can barely see his face, but I really got a sense. Uh, I mean, it's one of the best-looking films of all time. It's a weird cinematography as well because there's this huge sparseness to it, and it looks like paintings as well. It looks like, um, you know, the French uh, artists that used to paint the, the coastline of Normandy and Brittany and that kind of thing, the colours and... Everything's so absorbingly beautiful. And even though it's Hans Zimmer on the soundtrack, who I'm very up and down with, most of it isn't bombast. It's um, all tension. And the way he weaves the three stories of the soldiers leaving the beach, the people coming to get them, and the people in the air, telling uh, sort of like a holistic whole of the story. There's very little um, Germans in this at all. You ba I'm not even sure you see them. I'm just trying to think. I know you see the... Um, I know you see German fighter planes and the Battle of Britain sequences that they do over the channel are stunning and very hypnotic as well. But I don't, I don't remember seeing much in the way of German soldiers at all. In the initial battle at the start, you don't even see who's shooting at the British soldiers at all. Um, it is an amazing film and it's an amazing screenplay and the cinematography is just jaw-droppingly beautiful. And it's got a really sort of hymnal feel to it. And it builds so well. The tension's incredible. And it's all little moments. There are just these, it really reminded me of The Thin Red Line, T Terence Malick's film, which is a much more cerebral film and a much better one than Saving Private Ryan. Nothing was just literal and straight through. Um, he, for the most part, he avoids what Spielberg ruined that film by being so noble and worthy and black and white about things here it doesn't really work like that at all um, and it's all the individual moments that build all of the different sort of moments where you know there are ships sinking or or just these incredible visual moments that just stick with you afterwards 
The heartbreaking thing for me, though, is it is so close to being an all-time classic masterpiece. And it just falls down a tiny, tiny bit. And where it falls down is people. It's at its weakest on the people front, unfortunately. I thought um, Mark Rylance as the boat captain was really, really good. And I thought that um, they pick up a post-PDST soldier who's played by Cillian Murphy. He's brilliant in this. He's really, really good. And so is um, Tom Hardy's excellent as well. They're all great, but I think the younger cast are much clumsier, particularly all the ones coming over from uh, from Europe back to the UK. Uh, I didn't really rate Harry Styles. I didn't really rate uh, Fionn Whitehead. He's kind of the main character. I thought their acting was occasionally clumsy and just not in the same league as the best people. And they were very thinly drawn characters. There wasn't a lot of substance to the characters themselves. And the film could have used a really humanized element where there was a lot of, you know, a lot of your sort of heart and soul was in the characters, which it was for me with Cillian Murphy and Mark Rylance and Tom Hardy, but I didn't feel anything for the people fleeing Europe. Uh, They could have been anyone, and I didn't think their acting was that great. So that's the only downside with this movie. It kind of is a story about people, so that's not that small a downfall either, because it is a story about this exodus of people. Um, But as far as filmmaking goes, it's astonishing, and his best. Um, especially uh, especially compared to films like uh, Inception and The Dark Knight where there's just just too much. He could have done half as much in those films and ended up with better films. Here he doesn't put a foot wrong outside of the people. Every shot is beautifully framed. He feels like a different director. I really feel like he's come of age with this movie. I'm going to give uh, Dunkirk a... Yeah, obviously, it's a very simple story. There's not really a lot of plot to it. Um, I'm going to give Dunkirk 9 out of 10. I think if the people were as good as, a, as cinematography, I could have gone for a 10 even, if it had worked on every level, because it is quite an achievement in filmmaking. Um, but you can't do that when you've got a story about hundreds of thousands of people, but you don't really care that much about the people. And like I said, it's, I don't know why they didn't put a bit more effort into fleshing these characters out. Even, even the good characters are, are still pretty two-dimensional. They don't have a lot of substance to them. But it's still an, it's a, it's an amazing film. So 9 out of 10 for Dunkirk. And this is from Ben Frost, who's an Australian noise music composer.